sex talk. Derek Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest with me today. We've been talking already. <laughs> for, we will talk forever. <laughs> I am so excited about the episode today. Dr. Melvin Lee Phillips is with me. Thank you for coming. We're going to talk all about chronic illness and sex. I did a training with you that we talked about this for eight hours. We're only going to like touch the surface of this. And so welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. I loved your energy at the presentation. You were such a great student in the class. <laughs> I tend to be a little, a lot. I just tend to be a lot. Let's just describe it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought it was great because I tend to be the same way. <laughs> I get that from your energy. So that's good. That's why we get along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Tell me, uh, I want you to tell me first, tell me a little bit about your practice because in the world of sex therapy, we're not talking enough about chronic illness. We're not talking enough about how people deal with pain, which is a lot of the things that we end up seeing as sex therapists. We see people with chronic conditions because sometimes it's the first time they've ever been able to talk about it with anybody. So what is step one for the folks that come through your door? Well, I work at a group practice right now in Washington, D.C. It's called Capitol Hill Consortium for Counseling and Consultation. And we've got about 10 psychotherapists there that treat various different types of mental health conditions and a few of us that see couples. And I do sex therapy and psychotherapy, and I specialize in treating chronic pain and chronic illness, usually chronic pain due to a chronic illness. Uh, so for an example, I have quite a few clients that come in with rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, lupus, different neurological issues, sometimes diabetes, heart disease. I will have clients that will also come in with um, cancer and cancer survivors. And so the first step is really what people usually go through is a crisis. They go through a crisis, you know, they have a lot of questions they don't have a diagnosis. They don't know what's happening to their health, their body. Is this something serious? And so what I find is a lot of the clients have to, they go to doctors and doctors to get answers. So for an example, they may go to a doctor and the doctor does not know what it is, you know, so then they will refer them to a rheumatologist. And I have found that rheumatologists are the ones that really find the answers at times. So for an example, for fibromyalgia, there's no blood tests for it. So they have to check like the tender points on your body. So usually there's a crisis phase. And sometimes I don't usually have clients that come in that are in that phase. Sometimes I will. But for sex therapy, they tend to come in during the stabilization phase of being diagnosed with a chronic illness or a chronic pain condition. And the first piece is just processing the the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings that has happened, you know, and because, you know, I consider it a trauma for them and being able to adapt to a body that has changed is really the first step and to be able to show some support. When people ask me the type of treatment that I use with my clients with chronic illness, usually it is supportive therapy. It's really just being a, a, a ear for them to help them navigate the medical system. Like 
they have so many questions for their doctors. And so one of the things that I help them with are what are, what are those questions that you want to list for your doctor? What are you, what, what concerns do you have? And the great thing about sex therapy is that most people with a chronic illness condition report having some type of sexual dysfunction. Right. right. <laughs> so many of the clients that come through our door as sex therapists, at least for me, I mean, I know you and I have talked already endlessly about the people that we get, the folks that I have that have chronic depression, the folks that have, I, I have people who have had serious Crohn's disease, who have had serious eating disorders. Yeah the sexual dysfunction that then as a result of that or vice versa, they're just in tandem with one another. Right. Exactly. They go hand in hand. So when you tell folks that you are a sex therapist, that you do sex therapy, they're like, oh, great. Well, then there's this issue with my desire and arousal for sex. Because the last thing that I want to do when I'm feeling pain is to have sex. And I think there's just a great deal of shame that happens because if they're partnered, you know, the partner also has that fear and that anxiety of what's going to happen to the sexual limitations that have been caused by a chronic illness. And so I find myself really working with the couple on how to reclaim their sexuality. And one way to reclaim their sexuality is come to a place of acceptance. Yeah. I think <laughs> being able to come to a place where they can accept their disease or illness and learn how to live well with it. And that takes a lot of time. I mean, that could take anywhere. It depends on the person. It depends on the type of illness that they have, because a lot of people have dynamic illnesses and those dynamic illnesses are the ones that go into remission. You can have a relapse, you can have a flare up. So one of the things that I work with, with my clients is being able to live the most stress-free life that you can live. And that's a challenge for people, right? Because people have to adjust their, to their new life with an illness. So when they can get to a place like that and they can accept, that starts to merge into being more sexual. It's like if I'm accepting myself and I'm accepting what's happened to me, now I can learn to be sexual with myself. I can learn to be sexual with my partner. And just because I have an illness, it does not have to stop me from having amazing sex. Yes. You just described <laughs> all of sex therapy in the best sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get to be more sexual if you accept who you are right now. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. We need mugs. We need shirts. We need a hashtag today. <laughs> okay. We're going to do it because that's what, that allows you to be more sexual in your body when you can accept your condition and what's happening to you. Because what we find is there is something in my book, which is called Sex and Love When You're Sick. I'm in the proposal stages of it right now, but in one of my chapters, I will be talking about the PSPR effect. And the PSPR effect is the physical symptoms triggering a psychological response. And then what we find there is psychological symptoms that trigger physical symptoms. And so if you are accepting your illness and you're doing some coping mechanisms due to your illness, what we're going to find is you're not going to have much of that psychological response. You're not going to have more anxiety and depression. You're going to learn how to tackle it in the moment when you do have a flare up, whether that is due to lupus, if it's due to fi fibromyalgia, you know, I facilitate a chronic pain management group at my practice. And I find that 
most of the women, it is a women's group right now, which is amazing because we talk about female sexuality in that group. And most of them have fibromyalgia. It's kind of turned into a fibro group. And we do a lot of like mindfulness, cognitive therapy for stress reduction. They find that when they're able to engage in that, they are able to relax their body. They're able to have awareness with their body and they're able to be more sexual because they feel better. They get their desire back. They start to be aroused. And you know, with women, the sexual response is so different. Sometimes women go into arousal first, then they'll go into desire. Rosemary Basson talks about that in the Basson model. And so I think being able to just be in a place to talk, that's really like the first step is just to be able to process what's happened. And, you know, as a psychotherapist, you know that with any condition that someone may have, that is just the first place. It is a safe place to be able to acknowledge what has happened to you. Yes, absolutely. Next time I'm really angry at the medical field, I need to call you. Um, Because... (laughs) Oh, don't even get me started on that. (laughs) I have had, and maybe this is something maybe you and I'll tackle in another episode, or maybe we'll work together, we'll collaborate because, and all of you are just being witness to us nerding out. I can't tell you how many times, more specifically with my trans folks, how the medical field has failed them, fundamentally failed them. And I, (laughs) I was actually like wanting to to talk to my ASEC supervisor about this because of just the anger that I feel as their clinician. That's not where we need to be as clinicians being angry for our people, but like having had one of my clients tell me that they were diagnosed with a really significant mental health disorder and handed a prescription and not ever talked about how that might impact their sex life, how that might impact their relationship, how they might, how any of it impacts their entire life. You know, you bring up a really good point because most of my clients that come in with a chronic illness, and this is for my heterosexual, gay, lesbian, non-binary, queer people, transgender people, the one thing that they always come in and talk about is how they did not get their questions answered by their doctors because they had 15 minutes with the doctor. And that to me is just disheartening and not talking to them about their condition in more detail, not talking to them about, you know, what the side effects of medications and how that can definitely cause sexual dysfunction and not covering that piece. And then I've had clients that come in that are like, I love my rheumatologist. My doctor does take their time with me, but I have to say, not trying to down the medical community. Well, maybe I am, but <laughs> I think their hands are tied, honestly. Like their I hands are tied. Went into the field to help and then got into like the pulled directly into the river of insurance. And that's a whole other whole Yeah, it's another other- episode. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, even talking about gender is a whole other episode that we can go on too. But I just think that I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that a lot of my clients come into session and they, they actually complain about is the doctor. And my chronic pain group, that's another thing that we always talk about. It's like the environment and how the environment affects their pain, right? The psychosocial stressors that really filter in, whether it's relationships, because they talk about how their family doesn't understand their illness, their partner, the medical provider that diagnosed them. They don't really go into detail. I had a client that actually got diagnosed with RA And she was prescribed metatrexate for her pain. 
And she had like the worst stomach can, side effects. I mean, ripped her stomach to shreds and the doctor never said anything about it. Didn't even, I knew about having, it. I'm not a thing having right. happened to me and I don't know how to describe her. I don't know how, if it's normal or if it's just me. Exactly. Like the client came in and I knew about the side effect of that medication and I'm not a medical doctor, but I knew about that because I've had other clients come in with RA and each person is going to experience different side effects. And some of my patients with RA have had a lot of the side effects due to the metatrexate and then some have not, you know, but this client in particular was really upset at the doctor because none of that was talked about. And so she had to go back and the doctor finally was like, oh yeah, it can cause like, you know, digestive issues with your stomach. And she's like, okay, well, I wish I would have known that before I started the medication because her stomach honestly could not tolerate it. So she had to go on something else, which is definitely working for her now. But, you know, I think what it comes down to, it's all about communication, which is one of the easiest things to do, but it's also the hardest things to do. And like you were saying with, you know, their hands being tied, I think that is true with the medical with the medical community and where they're at. Absolutely. So when you think about the folks that you and I could sit here and be frustrated and angry at the things that we see in all, the whole episode, but when people come into you, what are some of the things that you give them kind of immediately as far as like, I will often talk about start having the conversations around lubricant or I'll start having conversations around like, what do you know about sex and now this body that you have? So yes. where, where do you begin? What it- I begin where you begin. I talk about what do you know about sexuality? And I think doing that thorough sexual sex history is so important. Like, when did you find out about sex? What were the messages that you received about sex? When did you start masturbating? What's pleasurable to you? I think solo sex is amazing. I, I think masturbation is beautiful because you are able to explore your own body and what's pleasurable to you. And so asking those important questions, like when did you start masturbating? What's pleasurable to you? How, what are your feelings around sexuality? You know, did you have support growing up around it? Did you talk about it? You know, nine times out of 10, most of my patients come in and they say, oh, I learned about it in family life and that I'm not supposed to have sex until I'm married. And if I do have sex, I'm going to get an STD. Mm, yes, here. Oh, don't do this thing. But, oh, also be scared of it. And we all, some of us, many of us do this thing. Right. And it's interesting because a lot of times when people come in, they don't know what brings them pleasure. They don't know. And that's with people that have a chronic illness, but that's also with folks that don't. And so we kind of just start from, from the top, you know, like what brings you pleasure? What do you know about it? How has your body changed due to the illness? Uh, because sometimes people, when they have a chronic illness, especially women, they don't have the lubrication that they did when it comes to RA, when it comes to fibro, because the body is responding to that illness. 50% of women that have diabetes also do not have the lubrication that they need for sex. And so we talk about lube. Yes. You talk about lube and talk about the body safe lubes, because I know you, I'm sure you've encountered this, especially my female body clients who've been through chemotherapy or who have had diabetes since they were children. They can't necessarily use the the KY that's on the, the grocery store aisle. They can't really use that lubricant because it's, they, they can experience a burning. They can experience certain physical things that 
you need to have a body safe lubricant to be able to have sex comfortably. Right. You do. And a lot of times what I find a lot of my, my female, my female body clients with, or folks that have a vulva, they really complain about the burning that goes on after sex and how it's just uncomfortable. And a lot of times that's with fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, and also my patients that have endometriosis. Yes. Yes. You I've know, also, I've also had a, I've had a couple people that have, um, they have the, that, um, of course my brain just, I was like endometriosis. I was like, and then I got distracted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's so many things so many illnesses we see that where if you have these certain types of symptoms, even before sex, you can have them after sex, you can have flare-ups, you can all of the things. So I want to kind of make sure that we talk about today is using masturbation and self-love to deal with pain. I want to make sure that we talk about that. Yes. Yes. Quick break from the action folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and, seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout-outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. How do you encourage your clients to use masturbation? Well, first of all, we we definitely have that, that conversation. And I find that a lot of times this happens after they accept that they have an illness and that they want to be sexual, right? They're starting to reclaim their sexuality. They're wanting to engage in sex. And so one of the things that we talk about is how sex can be a powerful thing when you have a chronic illness because your life is restricted by many things. And so how sex can bring comfort to you. It can bring pleasure to you. It can bring connection to your body, but also to your partner. And so we have the conversation about masturbation. And you know, it's interesting. Most of my clients that have chronic pain report that masturbation is a stress reliever and that it helps them relieve pain. Having, being able to achieve an orgasm, you know, we know that sex is not always about an orgasm. And if they can achieve an orgasm, what can they do? So what I find is helping the client figure out a new normal of their life and a new normal of their sexuality, because some folks are not able to have penetrative sex. And so we really have the discussion about touch and how powerful that can be and how self-love can really help you. And you can also do that with your partner. You know, mutual masturbation is huge now when it comes to having a disability and not being able to engage in the type of sex maybe that you had in the past. And I think there's, you know, a grief period that goes on. It's like, man, I used to love this position with my partner. I used to love being able to achieve an orgasm. And now I can't do that, but I still want to be sexual because I do have arousal. So we talk about, well, what are those sexual adjustments that you can do? And most of the time, they report that they are able to engage in some type of masturbation, you know, and touch themselves and have them part have the partner 
touch themselves. It's interesting too, when I did my SAR at the Woodhall Sexual Freedom Summit that's here in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of DC, which is going on this weekend, we watched a video on a man who became disabled. He was like walking and he fell from this, he fell from something. He, he, he was paralyzed from the waist down and he went to a sex worker, a Tantra type of worker as well. I think she was. And he was not able to have any feeling below his waist. So she did this massage with his hand and she massaged his thumb like it was a penis. And he was able to feel pleasure from that. So just the touching that can happen. Yes. yes. I imagine. So I know, I know that we as psychotherapists, generally, we talk a lot about like how we develop attachment when we're growing up. And that has to do with touch. And we as humans, many of us need touch just because we have a chronic illness or just because it doesn't mean that we don't still want to be touched. Yes. And so I think people assume that when you have a disability and say, for an example, you're wheelchair bound, you can't receive that. And that's still a myth that's going on. And, you know, I talked about that in the class in Chicago, that there are all these myths about disability and and chronic illness and that you're not a sexual person and that you are. And I think what is the struggle too, is that you're right. I'm, I'm happy that you brought up attachment because I find that a lot of my patients, they did not get that when they were younger. So they don't know what that feels like, right? They didn't get the nurturing. They didn't get the physical touch. They didn't get validation. And so I think sometimes when you have a client that comes in that has that same thing with a disability and a chronic illness, it's even harder for them. (laughs) It's like, I don't even know what that means. And so we do start with attachment. And of course, that's really important in that sex history to get all of that information and to be able to talk about, well, what does touch mean to you? And where do we go from there with it, you know? And, And then if I'm working with a couple, it's both coming to a place where they can really talk about what do I need from you? And what do I need from you now that I did not get from you in the past? And so I think it's important to assess what was the sex like prior to the onset of an illness? Mm -hmm. And then how do you get back to that? And what are the things that you can do that can both bring you pleasure? Yes. Yes. All couples, all the time, everywhere. Yes. (laughs) Everybody, everybody are non-monogamous friends. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of people. Yeah. I have a lot of people that come in that are disabled and they're, they're into BDSM playing kink and they're poly and they want to get back into that again. And what does that look like? And we talk about that too. And that's what my book is going to be designed for. It's not going to be for, it's kind of getting out of that heteronormative thing. And it's going to talk about, you know, people who are poly that are disabled, that are into different kinks and, how can they readjust their life so they can still be involved in those things? Like I've had clients that have had uh, joint issues and they loved being tied up. Well, now they can't be tied up because <laughs> their joints are in pain They're, because it will cause flare up. So we talk about, well, maybe we can loosen that up a little bit. Maybe you can get into a different type of play. Maybe you can switch your role from a sub to a dom, right? Doing that, it's getting, I always tell my couples and my people in therapy that, you know, you have to get curious about your partner and you have to get creative with your sex. All right. Now, 
Okay. <laughs> yes, 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 again. Sure. Mugs, hashtags, all of the things. Yes. Exactly. You have to. I mean, and I think when you can explore that and that and that's what I love about sex therapy, right? It's like when one thing doesn't work, hey, we try this. That's right. We, we try different things. It's over. And it's a menu. What is in your sexual menu? What is in your sexual toolbox? And I think when you're able to have that conversation with your partner in a session, it really opens the door because I just find that when couples try to do it on their own, it's like this reactivity they have with each other. So one of the things that I use is Imago relationship therapy, doing like an Imago dialogue where they can actually mirror each other, where one partner can send a message and the other one just sends it back or they paraphrase it. And they just kind of feel each other out and, and, and get the communication at a place where they can really connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Be ready, people. Get the pen. You need all the notes from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of great information for people. Cause I, I think that, you know, couples, they really, they, they really lose the connection sometimes. And I think it's rebuilding that intimacy. I find it with couples that don't have an illness you know, and couples that do, it's really being able to reclaim their sexuality and, and get to a place where they can go into acceptance and they can actually, it's funny, I'll have couples come in and one partner will say, oh, I had no idea that she was into this and she really liked this, you know? <laughs> and it's funny, a lot of my female patients, they were like, um, I don't have an orgasm from penetrative sex. You need to play with my clit. <laughs> yes, good day. <laughs> Sex therapy is such an interesting job that we get to say these things. <laughs> we do. And, and you know, what's great is that they get to come in and they get to say those things, right? Yes. <laughs> they can talk about the things that they're into, the things that brings them pleasure that they haven't explored before, you know? And I, I, that's what's, I think the whole big point of what I do in sex therapy with folks that are disabled is really just, it's doing sexual adjustment. It's like, what can you do? Instead of what looking at what is achievable, look at what's pleasurable. Yes. Because so many people come into our offices and they're like, I have to have an orgasm. I have to perform. I have to do this because I'm afraid I'm going to be shamed. I'm afraid that I'm going to be put down and that my partner's going to leave me. A lot of my clients that are partnered that have a chronic illness, that's the one thing that they fear the most is that I can't have the sex that I used to be able to have. And I'm so afraid that my partner is going to go ahead and leave. And that's the point where I really invite them to bring in their partner. And so we can have a conversation about that and just talk about, well, you know, sex isn't always about this. Because I have couples that come in and they may agree to have sex once a week. I have couples that come in and they want sex once a month. It's whatever the couple wants. Exactly. So beautiful. I'm so glad you joined me today. How do people find you in the world? Well, you can always look at my website, which is www.drphillips.com. I'm also on Instagram where I blog about chronic pain, chronic illness, and sex at Dr. Lee Phillips on Instagram. And also on Facebook, you can find me at Dr. Lee Phillips as well. Fantastic. You all join all of the socials so that you know when this book comes out, be ready. And when the book is out, you're coming back. Oh yeah. No, I'd love to join you again. This was great. I'm so glad that you, you had me on here to get the word out just about reclaiming sexuality with chronic illness and how people can have a sex life that works 
despite having a chronic illness. Right. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us today and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.